Part 5, Storm of the Century, Chapter 17. The Willow Valley kids were eager to inspect the new clue in the daylight. The day after the campfire, they met on Lookout Rock, bundled against a cold wind that steadily blew into the valley from the north. A high layer of white clouds spread overhead, and on the horizon, darker clouds crept ever near her. Brrr, said Heidi, pulling the hood of her coat over her black curly hair. It feels colder today than it did last night. Emily huddled next to her, puffing warm air into her mittened hands to warm them. What do you think about the carving, Terence? Michael asked. The three boys crouched at the edge of Lookout Rock, looking closely at the arrow they had discovered the night before. Terence held a magnifying glass close to the carving and twisted his head sideways. He had to hold his breath to keep from fogging up the glass. Finally, he sat back on his heels. It matches the other one, he told them. Same shape, same size. It appears to have been made with the same tools as well. Probably a hammer and chisel. This carving is a little more worn than the other because it is more exposed to the elements up here. But there is no doubt that this was made at the same time as the other one and in the same manner. So what do the two arrows mean? asked Buddy. Terence stood and lined himself up with the arrow at his feet. He held his arm straight out in front of him and squinted his eyes. If we could draw a straight line through the air in the direction each arrow points, the lines would eventually intersect, he said. It makes sense that the gold was buried where the two lines cross. Emily went to stand next to Terence. So all we have to do is figure out where that spot is and start digging. Do you really think it's still there? asked Heidi. None of them offered an answer, and the question seemed to hover around them in the freezing wind. Finally, Eb Emily spoke up. Well, I don't know about the treasure, but I do know my mom is baking cinnamon rolls this morning. I make a motion that we move this meeting to Emily's house, said Michael. I second that motion, shouted Buddy, heading across lookout rock toward the path into the valley. Emily's house was on the far side of Willow Valley, beyond the pond. On the way there, the group stopped under the willow trees to look again at the first arrow they had found. From where they stood, they could see Lookout, lookout Rock. "'Where do you think the lines cross, Terence?' asked Emily. Terence stood up by the stone facing Lookout Rock. "'Somewhere in the pond, I think,' he finally answered. Exploded Buddy. See, the metal detector was right when it pulled me into the pond. Michael frowned. But how in the world could someone hide a chest of gold in the pond? Wouldn't the wood, wooden chest rot in the water? Asked Emily. Terence pushed his glasses and scratched his head. Well, for one thing, the soldiers who hid it were planning to come back shortly and get it. For another thing... He paused and looked downstream past the pond. It's possible this pond didn't exist back then, he said finally. If a beaver's dam stopped up the stream and created this pond, that could have happened long after the gold was buried. Maybe that explains why no one has found it, said Emily, hopping back and forth on her feet, trying to stay warm. 
Michael snorted. That only explains why it would be nearly impossible for us to find it, too. I'm cold, complained Heidi. I smell cinnamon rolls, said Buddy. The kitchen in Emily's house was warm and bright and filled with delicious smells. A small radio on the counter blared Saturday morning marching band music. The children shed their coats, hats, and gloves inside the back door and crowded around the table. It will be just another minute, said Emily's mom as she spread frosting on the steaming hot rolls. Just then, the music on the radio stopped. This is a special weather bulletin, an announcer said. A severe winter storm will arrive tomorrow evening, dumping as much as two feet of snow in our area during the night. Damaging winds and extremely cold temperatures are possible. Down trees and power lines are expected. Please take the appropriate precautions. Hooray! Michael yelled. I've been waiting for this. Now I can try out my new sled. The first snow of winter! exclaimed Emily. Heidi, you should come over here tomorrow night. Terrence, you and Buddy will be at my house, declared Michael. I'm sure they'll cancel school Monday. On the other side of the mountains, the heavy clouds inched closer. But there was another storm brewing as well. A storm that would not leave the valley for months to come. Chapter 18 Sunday morning seemed normal enough at Michael's house. Though looking back, he realized it was not. He hadn't paid attention to the murmuring voices of his parents behind the closed door of his father's office or the sober faces of some of the men at church before the worship service. He, along with all the other children, was consumed with the approaching snowstorm and all the fun and excitement it promised to bring. The announcement was as big a surprise to him as it was to almost everyone there. Before the service, Pastor Thomas came to the pulpit. Brothers and sisters, he said, for the past 15 years our church has paid rent to the owner of this building. It had been our understanding that upon the death of this individual the church property would become our own. Two weeks ago the owner did pass away, but as his attorney reviewed the will it became clear that this property is transferred to his two sons rather than us. Pastor Thomas paused to let the church members absorb what he was saying. These two men are eager to sell the property. They have offered it to us at the very fair price of $350,000, which, as you know, is still far below the market value. However, we have only four months to come up with this amount before the property will be offered to other buyers. The congregation of Willow Valley Bible Church sat in stunned silence. They were not a large church, nor did they have that much money set aside. The news that the property had not been given to them as promised was very upsetting. I know this seems like an impossible amount of money for us to raise, Pastor Thomas continued, and perhaps it is. However, we may be certain that God has a plan for this congregation, and his plan is for our good, whether in this building or somewhere else. The worship service continued as usual, but everything suddenly felt different. Michael looked around at the familiar beauty of the old sanctuary with its tall colored windows, high soaring beams, and arched doorways. It was the only church he had ever known. 
He could not even imagine Willow Valley Bible Church meeting somewhere else. Then another thought struck him in the heart. His own home, the parsonage, was it also part of the church property? As soon as the question pierced his mind, he knew the answer. Of course it was. Michael gulped and tried to ignore the fear that gripped his stomach. Surely his father had a plan that would allow them to stay where they were. After the worship service had ended, Michael, Buddy, and Terrence met just outside the main doors of the church. The wind had gotten even colder. A few snowflakes were already falling. While all around them, grown-ups were discussing the church's new money crisis, the young people seemed more interested in the coming storm. I'm sure school will be canceled tomorrow, said Buddy excitedly. I've invented a machine to measure the velocity of the wind, and as soon as I get home, I'm going to put it on the roof of our shed. My father already pulled, poured salt all over our driveway, Terrence told them. He wants to be sure he can get to work no matter what tomorrow. Michael said nothing. His ears were tuned in to the voices of the adults around him. No possible way to get that much money in time. That empty grocery store up on Main Street might be an option, but it would take a lot of work. Can't imagine what the Thomas family is going through. They'll have to find another place to live. Buddy whacked Michael's arm. Michael, did you hear what I just said? It might snow even more than two feet tonight. Michael pushed back Buddy's hand away. Pushed Buddy's hand away. Is that all you care about? He exploded. So what about the snow? Hey, what's your problem? said Buddy, but Michael only pushed past him and took off running toward his house. Buddy looked at Terrence in confusion. What's wrong with him? I think he's worried about the money and losing the church, Terrence said. That's a really big deal, you know. Oh, said Buddy, his face suddenly filled with regret. I guess I hadn't thought that much about it. Some friend I am. Michael will be okay, Terrence said. Just give him some time. By the time Terrence's family dropped Buddy off at home, the air was thick with falling snow. Buddy worked quickly to get his wind velocity machine set up on the roof of the shed. By the time he finished, his fingers were numb with cold and his face stung from the wind. But still, he stood for a moment, watching the shiny cup spin fiercely in the blowing wind. He hoped it would survive the storm. Buddy went inside and checked the time. His mother would not get off work for another hour, but the yard and the road in the front of the house were already white with snow. For the first time, Buddy began to feel uneasy about being home alone in the storm. He reached for the phone. Mom? Hi. Yes, I'm fine, but I was wondering if you were coming home early. The road's already covered. You'll be leaving soon? Good. Sure, I'll bring in some firewood. Be careful. Buddy made five trips to the woodpile at the back of the yard, stacking the logs on newspaper inside the back door. Then he went into the small living room and turned on the television. Meteorologists are calling this the storm of the century, the weather reporter continued, announced. The map behind him was solid white. High winds have already caused power outages across our viewing area. Just then, the television flickered and turned off along with all the lights in the house. Buddy hurried to the kitchen to find the flashlight his mother kept in the pantry. Then he went to his room and put on another sweatshirt. Outside, the wind was howling, flinging snow like sand against the windows. Buddy feared for his mother's safety getting home. He also feared for himself. 
What if his mother got stranded? What if he had to spend the night in his dark, cold house alone? God, please help Mom to get home soon.